What do you get when a Jedi, Sith Lord, and Spice Runner walk into a bar? Well, one hell of a lot of action and an extremely thin line between good, bad, right, and wrong. Uh, you're listening to Legends Library by the Star Wars Book Community, and we're here to discuss the Old Republic novel Deceived by Paul S. Kemp. Hello and welcome to Legends Library. Um, I'm your host, Chris. I know it's usually Johnny, but don't fret, he is still here. Did you want to say hi, Johnny? Hello. Yeah, and we are joined today by This Ad Reads, aka Jason, aka Stephen. I don't know what I'm saying. Don't carry on. <laughs> hey guys, my name is not <laughs> Stephen. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't we know are good friends. <laughs> you know me very well. <laughs> yes. Yes, Jason. <laughs> Okay, so like I said at the beginning of the episode, we're here to discuss Deceived by Paul S. Kemp. So I'm going to start it off with a little, well, I say brief summary, but it's a little bit bigger. So if you just bear with me while I read this. Um, the second novel set in the Old Republic era and based on a massively multiplayer online game, Star Wars The Old, the Old Republic, ramps up the action and brings readers face to face for the first time with a Sith warrior rival to the most sinister of the Order's Dark Lords, Darth Malgus, the mysterious mass Sith of the widely pop- popular Deceived, Hope, and also Return game trailers. Malgus brought down the Jedi Temple on Coruscant in a brutal assault that shot the galaxy, but if war crowned him the darkest of the Sith heroes, peace would transform into something far more heinous, something Malgus would never want to be, but cannot stop, any more than he can stop the rogue Jedi fast approaching. Her name is Aaron Lanier, and the lone knight that Malgus cut down in the fierce battle for the Jedi Temple was her master. And now she's going to find out what happened to him, even if it means breaking every rule in the book. So, I mean, what a ride this book was, huh? Um, so I'll just quickly start with, how did everyone think about the book? Did you like it? So, Johnny, did you, how, did you, how did you enjoy it? Second time round, I really enjoyed it. For my first attempt at it a few years ago, and I stumbled and and didn't finish actually. Uh, but that that might have been one of those kind of weird. It's not you, it's me things. I just I just wasn't vibing with it. And you know, I, my, my kids were my, my first kid was really young at the time. It's just one of those. I'm probably not getting enough sleep. I'm not in the right brain space for Star Wars books right now. And I kind of I think I just hit a reading slump. But came back to it this year and, yeah, had a really, really good time with it. Great. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I actually read this book for the first time last year when it was uh, released as part of the Essential Legends collection. Uh, my history with Legends is non-existent, basically, up until these books, uh, these re-releases have come out. So um, I frequently slash always review these books for TatooineTimes.com, and, and I love doing that. So... Um, I really enjoyed it. I had no context going into it. I have zero experience with the video game. I I had zero pre-existing knowledge of the video game, aside from what Wikipedia told me before I dove in. So um, as just a book experience, I really enjoyed it. And um, I mean, we'll get into it more as we chat, but there was a a lot of things that, um, a lot of reasons why I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I read it for the first time with the Essential Legends collection release. Uh, and I've got to say, it's my favourite of the old public books. I much preferred it to Revan because I read them about the same time because I think they were yep. released on the same wave, they were, weren't yep. they? Uh, so I've, and I, I enjoyed Revan, but this one I really enjoyed. Um, and I have no knowledge of the game really at all. Um, but I definitely 
think this is my favorite old old republic thing including the comics by john jackson miller so i know that's a bold claim johnny when you please don't agree with but um no, it's mean, just well, i mean i yeah, I, 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 in my in my brain, I kind of separate the sort of the stuff that ties in to the Old Republic online game and sort of carries that banner from the Knights of the Old Republic stuff that sort of sits yeah. before it. Really, timeline wise, and it's, it's sort of a separate project, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, and the, yeah, they're separated by centuries as well in the timeline, they're, and they feel completely different. It's not my favorite of the novels from the Old Republic, but it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I liked it a lot is, as I said on this podcast a million times, I really like street-level stories. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah. even though it's about Jedi and Sith, it's mm-hmm. more of a personal street-level story. And it really reminds me of Darth Maul Shadowhunter. They're, they're very similar books, in my opinion. And that was another book that was released in Sergeant Essential Legends collections mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, but as I've mentioned earlier, it's well known that this book is based off that first jaw-dropping cinematic trailer for the MMO. How do you feel it lived up to that promise of that scene? And how do you think it compares to the other sackings of Coruscant that we have seen? Now, I'll start with you, Jason, because oh, I believe no. you, you just told oh, us before no. air that you, you just told us something. So do you want to go, go ahead? Guys, as of this recording, I have not seen that trailer nor knew of, it exist, of its existence. So I am going in totally blind or as a book only person. Um, so I will have my homework after this episode. I will definitely go watch it after this episode. So I will kick it over to Johnny. Yeah, it's all on YouTube, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, if you if you want to find it quickly, I've got uh, in I think in my archived stories on my Instagram, I've got a little sort of ancient history tab, and there's some links to the cinematic trailers oh, in there. I will go find it that way then. Shameless plug. Arranged in chronological order with the books and comics oh. as well. How do you I love like it. that? Um, I. I enjoy those trailers for the most part, Chris. I mean, I, I remember I've said this, this to Jesse on the show a few weeks back. You know, when those trailers were dropping, sort of ten plus years ago, I would see them online, and I, I didn't enjoy the sort of the fan commentary that went in sort of in, on in the comments section underneath them, where there was a lot of prequel hate and whining about, "Oh, this is what we should have been getting all along." And you know, it's that, funny that when you think off. about it now, isn't it? Oh, I know, right. Um, but that kind of put me off the Old Republic for a while. It sort of seemed to be a magnet for that kind of just sort of toxic whining. Um, and I just had no interest in that. But it's a great trailer. It's totally spectacular. You know, there's a, you see the sacking of the Jedi Temple um, that is then adapted into prose in this novel. I enjoyed seeing that unpacked in prose here. I did have some issues with the pacing up front because that it is kind of intercut with um, the introduction to Aaron Lanier, who's off with the peace negotiation delegation on Alderaan. It's also intercut with the introduction of the sort of the smuggler character, Zirid. Zirid, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so th- there's a lot of other stuff going on and I kind of... I kind of wanted to rush launch into the book with just a, the same sort of propulsive energy that that trailer had, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But it's sort of, we kept sort of stopping and going off to see these other things. And I was kind of just like, show me the cool lightsaber fight. I already, actually, I, I enjoyed that, to be honest, because that's one issue I Did had you? with um, Rise of the Red Blade. Because Rise of the Red Blade, mm. it launches in, it jumps in, and it's all action, action, action. There's no there's no relief from that. So I liked the fact yeah. that we had this crazy action, but then we had a nice personal introduction to a character and another character, almost like um, a JRPG, you know, the 
beginnings of the game when you get those sort of humble beginnings and uh, i like yeah. i like that balance that they can create like this um whereas I, f- I tend to find if it's all intense action straight away i, d- I find it difficult to kind of connect because i'm not getting any character yeah i got you but that's me personally uh, no I, I think that makes total sense you know and, and sort of thinking about it from a writer's perspective you know it would probably be, just be quite boring to have to sit down and slavishly adapt this action sequence for the first 20 pages of your book you know yeah when when as a writer you probably want to be talking about character and getting people hooked into the emotional stakes of the thing so it, it makes total sense and to be honest on revisiting it um this time this the second attempt this year that didn't bother me quite as much as when i stumbled over it a couple of years ago and even more recently i i didn't finish it but i did re did start listening to the audiobook in recent days as, as prep for our chat uh, and it worked the pace worked really well actually on on audio um and i don't think it was just because i was listening to it at 1.5 speed it, it, it <laughs> felt it, it just felt pretty good it just flowed really really well i mean jason so obviously you did you never read the trailer but you have read for example the rose quadrant books yes. haven't you for tattooing uh-huh. times now obviously that i had another, another sacking of coruscant didn't it from the other way around and how did you feel like this compared to that because i mean personally if you can if i can just add before before you answer um i found it was as as a sacking of coruscant less effective um because you didn't see the larger scope of that and what it means because it was such more of a personal story um what about well, that's exactly what i was why i was going to say that i think i enjoyed it maybe as just a different perspective from a different point of view if you will um I think it was more of an on the ground approach, right? And it felt more personal. And um, for that reason, I think as a, oh, the, those are just the types of stories and the types of books that draw me in a little bit more. Um, I, I just feel like books Same. work better or stories kind of can be told, or maybe those are just stories that I enjoy more are the kind of ones that kind of punch you in the gut instead of just kind of uh, try to flash with you know impress and it's it's hard for me to read action honestly in a book it's hard for me to read action my brain doesn't really work that way so i think for that reason i i enjoyed it more i guess um than the rogue squadron versions if you will but i also am not the type of person that i i immediately don't like compare those things um so to me it worked it worked yeah great i agree um but let's go as it's more of a personal story let's talk about those characters so there's arguably four main characters in this story uh, with Malgus, Arin, Zirid, and you could kind of say Vraf Zizor is one of the sort of the more main characters. You don't get POV, POV of him, I don't think, but he is a main, major player. Um, and all four yeah. blur the lines of the expected traits of their, of what you'd expect for them in their professions. Um, so how did you fa- how effective do you think that was, uh, Johnny? Um, I think they all work really well um interestingly uh, from re-listening to to the story in recent days wrath definitely does get some pov sections not many oh does he i can't remember Uh, yeah yeah you're definitely in his head sort of when he because he he's tailing um zirid when he goes to visit his daughter and and then later you know when when he tries to rat them out to to darth malgus um you're definitely in, in in those sections in, in his head a bit um but i know I, I loved all of these characters um I, i've got yeah. a little bit of an issue with zirid maybe just being a bit too tropish and i, th- I think we've just discussed this before kristen we I have i can't zirid. remember where though i, I was thinking about it so yeah. i was like i swear because i remember you not liking zirid and me being like no i really like him 
yeah, I can't remember when we chatted about it, but it, I, I do enjoy him as a character. He just, very, for me, just very rarely rises above the sort of the tropish, you know, rogue slash muggler with a heart of gold who just has one last job to do to 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 have enough money to buy his pearly daughter a wheelchair. You know, there's there's so there's just so many tropes going on in there. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, I agree. Yeah, but 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 it's really well written and really well realized. So it's kind of hard, and maybe it's just churlish to gripe about it. Um, Aaron or Aaron, I really enjoy as a Jedi who just very early on in the process just says, "Nope, this is shit. I'm going out for revenge, and I don't care if it's not the Jedi way." And that's really interesting. I, I don't think I'd seen that before not to, not know? to this scale i don't think no no you know because she's not even conflicted about it is she no you know? i mean that's just <laughs> it like i mean usually when we get moments like this it's like alzar man will have a, a flash of anger and do yeah. something and or someone else like that but this is like this isn't like a, a flash in the pan thing this is this is her mission and it spans days yeah. and she never changes never wavers on it yeah, indeed. There's another Paul S. Kemp book that we've talked about on Legends Library a few months ago, Jesse and I did, called Cross Current. Um, and there's a character there, Jaden Core from the Jedi Academy games, um, who's, who's the protagonist in the later time period in that book. And he's one of those Jedi who's he, he's done something bad and he's guilty and he's conflicted and he wonders what it means for himself. And, you know, is he, that means he, is he a dark side, blah, blah, blah. Erin is not even thinking about this stuff. She is just, yeah. Know, I'm gonna kill the guy who killed my master, so it will hurt less. And she goes to some. Well, I mean, I've got questions, kind of go into this a bit later, but she goes to some really dark places as well. But it's it's not yeah. it's not like it's the dark side. That isn't that never comes into it because that's such a no. constant thing we hear about. It's just her and how her sort of demons that she's dealing with. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I think it, I liked the mix of characters as well. Um, and I would say that Aaron also reminded me of um, Etain. Is that how you say her name? Um, she is in the Rebel Commando series. She's another Jedi who kind of um, veers, if you will, if you will, um, from the, the past and really leads with her emotions. And um, and so, but I kind of like that. I, I, and I think it did give me, I'm glad you said um, Elzar, because it did give me some kind of High Republic vibes in terms of like Jedi who are, I kind of feel like acting like normal people um, yeah. and mm -hmm. reacting like normal mm -hmm. people might. And I, I like that. I don't really like this kind of um, stoic, like, oh, we are perfect um, Jedi uh, vibes. They're only speaking parables and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like they're above reproach and like they just do everything right. And obviously there's something to be appreciated about that and like kind of the honor and the respectability of that. But um, I didn't mind it. And, and I agree with what you said, Johnny, about kind of the trope of um, the roguish scoundrel. I got Han Solo vibes, like really hardcore, obviously from him, mm. but I, I kind of don't mind it. I mean, I guess I'm just a fan of just kind of like fun <laughs> popcorn-y stories. And I feel like this was kind of just like a good time at the theater, if you will. Um, and yeah. I kind of just was along for the ride, and I didn't mind the tropish aspect to it. Um, so it's interesting that, that you compared him to Han Solo there. As I was listening to the audiobook, the narrator, and I, I think it might be Jonathan Davis rather than Mark Thompson, I'm not 100% sure. Um, so apologies if it's neither of them. But 
he absolutely goes for Han Solo in the delivery oh, nice. of Zerud. It, it, it's 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 basically the same voice, and I think he's done Han Solo. Whoever that narrator is, he's done Han Solo in other books, and it's the same voice basically he uses. It, it, fits. it fits. You see, that's the, that's one of the reasons why I don't. Look, I'll listen to audiobooks, and some of them have been incredible, like Mark Thompson's Legend and all that. But it's the one of the reasons why I never really love listening to audiobooks because they tend to they make choices for you, mm. and. Mm-hmm. And I always find that it, I don't enjoy them as much because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer my own imagination to theirs. As arrogant as that sounds, but I do. It, you know what I mean? It yeah. allows me to to run with things a bit better. Um, but no, in terms, in response to that, like I agree, um, Zerid is definitely a trope, but it's but it's a well written trope, and mm-hmm. yeah. the emotion behind it is sold well. So you genuinely feel for him yeah. and trying to keep yeah. his daughter safe yeah Those scenes, and his motivations when, his motivations yeah. yeah and when he's there trying to when he goes back to visit his daughter at the beginning of the book and then he realizes he's being tailed the conflicts and the fear absolutely comes through and i was yeah gripped gripped by that mm-hmm. but not only that as mm-hmm. well like his relationship with aaron Aaron was not expected by me, to be honest, probably because she was no. a Jello character and he was who he was and his focus was on his daughter. Mm-hmm. But that was surprising. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the book. I mean, if anyone, do you, Johnny? I did. I did. I, I think I did find it surprising, but then it wasn't, it wasn't a bad surprise. It was, it was definitely a good surprise. Um, you know, I like it when Jedi from different era feel different to, to what we sort of got in the prequels and elsewhere. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons we enjoy the High Republic so much. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons I enjoy some of the old '90s tales of the Jedi type stuff so much. Um, you know, but uh, one of the problems I have with the old Republic sort of tie-in media project generally is that it sort of a lot of it feels very samey. It feels very prequel era, even though it's meant to be set thousands of years before the prequels. Yeah, you know, the, the, there's lots of stoic Jedi. The, the Jedi Temple looks exactly the same, which means that when it got completely destroyed in that trailer and in this book, they just rebuilt it exactly the same. It's weirdly unimaginative as as, a, <laughs> as, 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 as a, the aesthetic of this era. I find really unimaginative. So it is nice to see a Jedi who feels different. He has a very different relationship. He has, a, you know, indulges in a romantic relationship. It's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why a lot of people connected to like Zane Carrick, isn't it? Because he has a lot more life and a lot more to him than. And I know that's from the comics, but to back up your yeah. point, he has a lot more life and a lot more things to him than most of yeah. the other characters do. And he goes to places you don't expect, doesn't he? So, um, Aaron was very, I liked her for a lot of the same reasons. Um, Zerid, yeah. I really liked as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, carrying yeah. on with the characters, I mean, there's a theme that runs through this book of weakness through dependency. Uh, with Aaron and her master, Malgus and his consort, Alina, which we haven't spoke about yet, right. and Zerid mm. and his daughter. How well do you think that was explored and executed? Um, start with you, Jason, this time. Man, I mean, it, it was, I thought it was explored really well and like the different ways that that can affect different people and um, based on whatever their goals and motivations are, like it can either inspire them and, you know, urge them forward or it can... In term, uh, in regards to Malgus, I mean, I guess this is a spoilery chat. This book's been out for a while, but in regards to Malgus, like to him, it's a hindrance, and he needs to cut it off completely. Um, and kind of, I mean, he kind of acted a little bit more like a Jedi would, I guess, just in a way darker way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of like needing to get rid of that connection to move forward, um, and it's really reminding me of some other 
characters outside of Star Wars that, I mean, I won't bring it up here, but it, it's just a very intriguing and interesting take, right? Uh, in terms of someone who is so committed to their stances and so rooted in their beliefs that they will literally do anything to not have that be hindered in any way. So um, it was hard. And to me, that's heartbreaking. Like, and, and that makes for a very um, intense read, which again, I enjoy, like it, I enjoyed all of it because of that, um, it, because of those aspects. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I agree. And I'm going to say some more, but I'll let Johnny say his piece first. So what do you think, Johnny? I mean, I, I think that maybe I was sort of, I probably had, pigeonholed some of those elements as tropish in my brain such that i wasn't really stepping back and seeing the, the book does do quite a good job of exploring those as themes actually you know uh, in, on the one hand i just kind of had zeroed and his sick daughter down as well you know he needs he needs a motivation and um you know malgus and alina we've we have seen other stories like that um with with sith lords in this era and their sort of and their servants um the, the, there's one in the comics for example with the the sith guy who becomes darth thanaton a character from the game and his manservant maggot um that uh, depending Thanks, on what man. order these episodes go out in we, we we either talked about last week or we're going to talk about next week so so that arc with malgus and alina didn't feel new enough to me that it kind of hit home and the zero thing felt too tro so troubish that I wasn't really thinking about that as kind of a, a mirror, as it were, for, for what's going on with Malgus and Alina. So th that's probably my bad, though, completely. Um, I, I'm, I may have to finish off my audiobook revisit of it with that in mind and see if I feel differently. Yeah, I mean, the Malgus and Alina thing, uh, probably if, if you looked at it cold or if you're just ripping through this, it, I could see how that would be like, oh, you know, that's just like Anakin and Padme or, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. we've seen this before. But I will say the thing that it really did for me is it made Malgus such more of an interesting character. Like it humanized him. And whenever they humanized yeah. Sith, and don't get me wrong, they di it didn't do like a, a thing where it humanized him and you're, you're rooting for the bad guy. Not at all. It's not that kind of story. But you got to see another side to him. And it's, it weird. it's yeah. weird because it was kind of ironic that his passion and emotion that he saw as a weakness for Alina is actually what made him stronger than the other Sith. Because the other Sith were mm. the typical Sith of that era. They're numbers. They're, you know, they're weak because they don't have passion. You know? Yeah. Um, this is what Bane rooted out 5,000 years later. Uh, and Malgus mm. is kind of a precursor to that. Um, so that, that, that dependency and that emotion and that love that he feels for Alina, and, and it definitely is love. Like, it, it's quite clear yeah. on that. Um gives him his strength which he, he didn't actually see it which made it all heartbreaking um but i specifically remember um moments in the book that i found really quite effective emotionally was when uh, lena would call him by his real name yeah yes and 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 then that would make him like it would make him melt but it'd make him angry at the same yes. time because he knew it was a weakness well mm -hmm. he, he was wrong but he thought it was a weakness and yeah. that was such a an effective device to use mm -hmm. and it's so interesting right that like you a typical normal person <laughs> reading this book would think like oh yeah draw your strength from this person that you love and like i feel like that's what 
people who are in committed relationships, they, th that's like a well that you draw from, right? In terms of they, they help you get through stuff. They help you, you know, get through the day or inspire you and all that stuff. But when you're looking at it from, from this side and he turns around and kills her, like, wow, that's dark, right? Like that is really dark. And that really yeah. just shows that his commitment to the Sith and his beliefs is stronger than his commitment to her. Like that's rough. That's real rough. Yeah. I feel like the only reason he, he ends up killing her was because I can't remember the guy's name, but there's that, that other Lord, isn't there? The one that, that um, he's more of a politician Lord and he's kind a, of like address. Yeah. Address. Yeah. He's trying to set him up, isn't he? To, he's like his rival within the Sith mm -hmm. and he recognizes that address has seen his connection to Alina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and address plays on that. So he's so he absolutely plays into Adras's hands, and he thinks he's doing you know rooting out his weakness, but it's actually just was completely playing his hands. Obviously, he ends up killing Adras, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, um, but opposed to um, at opposed to Aaron, they kind of commit and just go off and do their thing. So it's just the the, the opposite sides, right, of what what love quote unquote yeah. is. Like these people found each other and go off and leave. You know, essentially, Aaron like leaves her beliefs to commit to love, and then Malgus just leaves love and commits to his beliefs. You know. Yeah, I mean, while yeah. while you've mentioned that Ash, now, now that epilogue with Aaron and Zerid, I loved it. Like, you do, it's rare you get those satisfying endings for characters. They usually leave them more open ended, but this one didn't, and it felt so satisfying to read that it was like the alphabet squadron trilogy the end the epilogue of that yeah how satisfying that was for the characters yes yeah i guess that's one of the strengths of the approach that they took with the old republic and you know you can't compare that publishing project to something like the high republic which was telling a much more joined up story over multiple books um you know the handful of books and comics that we've got from the old republic sort of the tie-ins to the game the old republic um you know they are telling very much standalone stories but that may that means i guess that paul s kemp was able to do that right he's he, you know he kind of knows that you know but the, the time this book came out the the, the game i think was i had been out for a year they'd been doing comics for at least two years at that point you know i guess they they knew what the lay of the land was in terms of what characters were going to be important and he was free to basically do whatever he wanted with those characters and give them an end point right and give them a nice satisfying ending which yeah. is really nice yeah it was i mean we've mentioned it already though but like how do you feel malgus and aaron compares to to other sith in this era i do find malgus intriguing and you're uh to a point you know my, my, the, my levels of intrigue with sith lords varies you know um i i'm not i'm not a sith fanboy you know I, I take some convincing that these characters are in any way worth rooting for or e even when they are sort of given complexity and layers as, as malgus is given in this and I guess for me, he sits in that tradition of people like Bean, people like Revan, um, you know, uh, even Vader and Kylo Ren, and, you know, the, the dark side user who has, if not a pull towards the light, 
um, you know, is humanized in one, one way or another. So, so I do feel like we have seen it before. E- e- even if he's standing out as different from the Sith of his, his era, the kind of you know, Paul S. Kemp here makes it clear that um, Malgus isn't a politician, he, and he hates the politicking that goes on around people like Adras and you know Angrel, who sort of sits above him and favors Adras over him. You know, and he's kind of almost a bit like New Canon Throne is kind of out of his depth when it comes to the politics stuff. Um, you know, so he's written in such a way that he's meant to stand out from the other Sith of the era that we find him in. But as a character, I kind of find him. I kind of feel like we've seen something like him before again. It's just not. But he's he's more like the Sith we have post Bane, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He doesn't compare. I guess there's maybe some comparison to be had with someone like Revan uh, in, in terms of the journey that Revan goes through, maybe in the games rather than in print. Well, we, we've all discussed this. Revan isn't a character. Revan's an idea. No, indeed. And, indeed. Sort of the, the, insofar as Revan has a character, which is sort of non-existent, anything, anything more than the sum total of the, his plot, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always find it amusing with Revan um, that most of Revan's fans or the people that worship Revan seem to think that Revan is a, a a Sith because that's when he yeah. looks the coolest and they like that idea of that but Revan for 95% of his time is a light side user um yeah but no and I, I just digress then but but no it backs up your point that I'm the same I don't really usually connect to Sith because they're usually just more like um video game characters aren't they they just they just look cool. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And people connect to them because they look cool. This is what Star Wars should be, you know. But it's, it isn't yeah. really yeah. for anything more than a video game. Um, so I definitely agree. But I feel like, Matt, there was a lot more to more, lot more to Malgus. Yeah. And I think Paul, Paul S. Kemp certainly did a very good job of taking this character that we had only ever seen in those short action set pieces in those sort of 10 15 minute long five 10 minute long trailers basically um and and yeah it, it is very you know he's very video gamey in 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 those trailers understandably um and i think police game does a good job of making him an interesting a more interesting character um i i just it's more it's always a more uphill struggle with me getting interested and invested in sith characters i, I guess I, i'm much more taken with aaron of the two in, in, in this book and the interesting ways in which she deviates from you know from the jedi norm for sure yeah i mean jason yeah i'll say that i don't have a lot to compare the two against in terms of other jedi and sith of the era kind of like the question you asked just because i don't have as much like i haven't played the games like i haven't read the comics um but I will say, I think just from a, I don't know, gen- general audience perspective, um, the two of them, in terms of representing Jedi and Sith of this era, were very well fleshed out. And any time, and that's why I love books, right? Like the fact that this is a book, you are given the time and the space to get inside their heads and understand their motivations understand why they're making the choices they're making it it's just you don't get to just see them on a video game screen and they're like oh that's the bad guy right so they're just a lot more well-rounded and i would say if you're used to you know just the typical sith baddie or a jedi goodie then you're gonna get way more than that in this book from the the two of them Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean and would you guys 
recommend this to someone who either has a passing interest in the old public era um over any other titles in this initiative i know johnny you've also, you already stated you see it as two initiatives um Mm-hmm. But I mean, someone who's just getting into Star Wars books generally, do you think this is a good place to start? I don't know if it's a good place to start. It's a good place to like pluck out and grab a fun, fun story. I think it's it works really well well as a standalone. You don't have to know, like me, you don't have to know a lot about the the surrounding media for this project to dive in. Um, you can do a very quick, you know, Wikipedia like I did. Um, you don't have to have read Revan. You don't have to have read a lot of other stuff to jump in and enjoy it. I mean, I, I personally agree with that. I mean, i pretty sure you could read just this as your first anything for the old public and you'd be totally fine. Because like Johnny said, it uses a lot, a lot of the same language as the prequels. So you're going to know a lot of, the, you're going to recognize a lot of the things and know what they're talking about. Uh, what about you, Johnny? If someone was interested in getting into or learning more about the old Republic and to be clear, I mean, the stuff that ties into that massively multiplayer online role-playing game is distinctive from anything that happened sort of hundreds of years before that um, with Knights of the Old Republic, etc. Um which I think is probably more interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend this as the starting point because there are other novels in the the Old Republic publishing project that for me do a much better job of the world building uh, and introducing you to, to that era in terms of political context and, and um, you know where the Jedi Order is at and where the Sith Empire is at and all of that stuff. And, Fatal Alliance, for example, I think does a much better job of all that and, and is set much closer in time to the events of the game as well. So so if you're interested in, in, in sort of really exploring the era, there are other books that I would recommend you pick up first. But as a standalone story that's set a decade before the book, the, the, the main events of the game and, and the other stories yet to come, uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. It, it's good Star Wars. Awesome. So does anyone, obviously, I feel like we've covered it most, we could go into it more. There's a lot more to discuss about this book, um, especially mm. with Aaron and a lot of the things that happen between her and Zerid and the things they go through, like their, all their journeys taken through like the bowels of Coruscant, which is why it reminds me of Darth Maul Shadowhunter. Um, mm. And even they even go through those same tunnels, don't they, I think, with those monstery beast guys. Oh, it's been too long since I read Shadowhunter. I haven't read that in about fifteen years. Well, in Shadowhunter, they go into like this the like the actual proper lower levels, like the lowest levels where these sort of zombie mm. beast guys live. And I've seen heard them mentioned a few times in books and comics. Uh, I can't remember, I can't remember what they're called. Um, but yeah, I mean, does anyone have any final thoughts I'd like to add? I mean, as we've been talking about it, I keep coming back to one of your earlier questions, which. I, I feel like we didn't do a great job of answering. Uh, we, we kind of end up diving into more sort of specifically about particular characters. But you know, the idea that um, we have these four main characters in the story, uh, and you know, and we have expected traits of them, um, but they all defy those in some way. And sort of how you know, yes, as how effective we think that was. Yes, I mean, mm-hmm. I. In some ways, I can see that the, the fact that none of the characters perform to type or conform to type might put some people off in a way and find that they might find it hard to get their bearings in a star war you know they're like oh you know the, the sith don't feel sith the jedi doesn't feel jedi you know but it, for me it is a strength of the book uh, undoubtedly it does make it more interesting mm-hmm. 
you know, it does make this particular Sith more interesting. It does make this particularly Jedi more interesting. She's not the stoic sort of philosophical Jedi with the attachments that, that you know, you might like expect. It, it, yeah. Um, you know, that, that you might expect in a series that otherwise keeps channeling the prequels as an aesthetic, even though it's meant to be set thousands of years earlier. Um, I, I think the book does a great job of defying your expectations of, of characters and character types. Um, yeah, it's a really well-written book. It's great. It grows on me. It's grown on me every time I've read it or encountered it, and I suspect that as I revisit it over the years, I'll enjoy it more. Jason, any last words from you? Well, I'm going to throw a question back to you guys, and I have my English professor hat on, which I've never been an English professor, but I was an English mm-hmm. student um, and a literature student. So what do you guys think, or how do you interpret the title of this book, Deceived? Like, who is being deceived, and why do you think that is the case? Oh, right. Well, I can I, I can answer that with a bit of context from the cinematic trailer. Yes, because that was also which, called on, on, on which it's based. Because that was called the Seed, okay. and that that opens with with an internal monologue from Malgus, um, and I, I can't remember the exact words, but he he's basically monologuing about how the Republic and the Jedi have deceived themselves, that that they deserve what's coming to them, you know, and he's going to. You know, show, you know, the Sith Emperor will show them the truth of the of the galaxy. It goes into that in the book as well, I think, at the beginning. I, I think he probably does, but but sort of whether or not Kemp unpacks that in a different way in, in this novel, I'd have to think about that. So while I'm thinking about that, Chris, what do you think? I mean, I think it, it's, it is simply that. I don't think the book really, as a whole, subscribes to that. You know, they're deceiving themselves, you could say, about who they're meant to be, but I don't know. I don't think that's it. I think they've just taken the cat, the, um, the name from that trailer and in that trailer it was called that because it don't doesn't he go there to visit the temple as a like as a ruse for something else and then just starts killing people it, it's well it, it's just as it is in the book he you just know, storms it, in it, there it, like it, what the hell's it, going on he just swaggers up with alina by his side and you know, kills the two guards outside yes it's confronted it's confronted by the jedi inside but then um, the ruse is that actually he's followed up by this drop ship that crashes, crashes into, into it atri- and all the troops into the atrium yeah. and yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that now. Uh, so, so I guess it, it, in the cinematic trailer, it's you know there's his monologue talking about how the the, you know, the the Jedi and the Republic have deceived themselves, but also there's a little sort of ruse within the action beat, as it were. Um, in, in terms of the novel, I suppose you know, from something that you said earlier, Chris, you know, I guess there's the sense in which. Um, Malgus deceives himself mm-hmm. in, in, into thinking that actually his relationship with Alina is, is a weakness. Yeah. Um, there might be that sort of thing going on. I don't know. What do you think, Prof? I just, I always ask myself that question. I, I, I Titles to me, mm. I, I always, maybe I overthink them, but I'm always like, okay, how is this connected to the book? And sometimes it's very yeah. connected and sometimes it's not. Um, and Why I, is it called Rogue Squadron? <laughs> <laughs> right why why rogue? i mean but i'll throw no. i'll throw daniel jose older out there because i'm like midnight horizon like where did that come from like I, i'm yeah. i still struggle with that i'm like oh, yeah. i don't under it, it can be very vague and very artsy that's fine but yeah. i guess as a reader i'm like where how am i connecting those dots so i would say you yeah. know from a professor professorial standpoint i think i'd agree and say like deceived yes these characters might be deceiving themselves maybe the reader is going to be not deceived, but like surprised, but to not get what they're maybe expecting. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm. I kind of like those, Meta. those types of answers. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Just thinking about DJO and titles. I don't know. I don't know about Midnight Horizon. I've definitely heard him talking about Race to Crash Point Tar, and he basically, basically, he just sort of pulled that one out of a sort of a word salad. <laughs> yes. of like you know, I, he, you know, he wants to feel fast paced, so it's going to be a race, and he needs it to sound exciting. So there's a crash in there, but they have got to go somewhere. Oh, there's a tower. <laughs> yes. You know, he 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 just kind of threw it together as a word salad and sort of tossed it all up together and. You know, um, whether he had a similar process for Midnight Horizon or not, I don't know. Yeah, and who's know. who made the last shot? <laughs> there you go, there you go. Or is someone like you know maybe Paul S. Kemp's like, okay, great, that I have my title already, that's sorted. I don't have to worry about that. I'm just going to write my story. Yeah, like, I'm just. I mean, using it as a springboard. You know. Yeah, it's quite funny though. Thinking about last shot, I've just realised that that's probably a play on the whole hand yeah, shot first thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I never even thought I, about that until now. Likewise. I hadn't thought about it until you said that the way you're you said welcome. It. You guys getting this conversation, these conversations going. <laughs> Jason, you're educating <laughs> us. Uh, okay. So my last four, actually, I'd say it's not really a thought. I've got a small, small question for Johnny. Um, Cross current. I haven't read that. Is that action packed yeah. as well? Yes. Because obviously yeah. I've read this and the only other Paulus Kent book I've read is Lords of the Sith, which is arguably the most action-packed canon book. Like it's solid wall-to-wall -wall action. Yeah. He's a great author. Yeah, I, I can't believe we've only had one canon book out of him. It's kind of it's kind of shocking. He did inside um, stories, I think, didn't he? I, I think yes. So he he's definitely done a short story in the Insider Collection which uh, features Malgus. Um I can't remember if he's done any canon ones or not. He he may he may well have done. Um but Cro Cross Current and there's a sequel to Cross Current called Riptide which I haven't read. Cross Current is action packed. It's great and I mean, I've it starts off in the Great Hyperspace War, set several thousand years before the events we're talking about in this book. Yeah. But then, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, there is time travel because of th because of stuff, <laughs> and um, it is largely set um, sort of forty odd years after the Battle of Yavin. Okay, this sounds and way more interesting than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and. You know, there's the charming rogue and very sort of Firefly vibe. It's really pretty, it's pretty cool, but very, very action packed. And you don't need to know a lot about that post Return of the Jedi legend stuff to be able to have a good time with that book. I've not read any of the other stuff around that time period wise, and I'm gagging now <laughs> to read the sequel Riptide because it was just a really good time. I mean, thinking about it now, like with the book, with the books that I've read that he's written, I feel like he'd be a really good choice to if they ever made an original Mandalorian novel. Ooh, yeah. Like if they ever did an original story yeah. set in that universe, I feel like he would be a great choice for that. With his, the way he yeah. does yeah. characters and how action led he is, I enjoy him as an author. Yeah. Definitely, I would read choice. something else by him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He'd do a very good job of embracing the messiness of the mm, New Republic era, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Y you know, in terms of characters and grayness and just sort of... I like that. Yeah, I like that. You know, stuff's not quite what it should be, you know? So if you're listening, yeah. uh, Michael and Kathleen, <laughs> you know who to hire. Of course they're listening. <laughs> they liked and subscribed. Of course they listen. They're always listening. They're big fans. Big fans. They're more of a Dan and John fan, though. Um, uh -huh. But, yeah. So, you're like, great. Who isn't? Yeah, who isn't? So that's it. Uh, Legends Library for this week. Um, I'm, what? don't know what the next one is, Johnny. Do you want to tell us? Uh, either, depending on whether or not we drop this or, or the other one first, it will either be uh, the Threat of Peace comic miniseries 
or if we did that last week, it's gonna be Red Harvest, baby. I haven't read Red Harvest yet. I really want to read that because I love Death Troopers. But it's that that means weird. that I won't be on Legends next week then. Um, <laughs> you'll you'll find me on Canon and with the Ship Boys in the comics one. So and yeah. Jason, where can people find you? You guys can find me uh, as This Dad Reads online, everywhere. My podcast with that title, my website with that title, and socials with that title. It's a great podcast as well, Jason. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. I'm so jealous of the guest. Oh, gosh. You guys are, you guys are getting there. I'm jealous of your little uh, droid buddy. Can we have one of those? Oh, my gosh. And guys, have you started Eye of Darkness yet? Yes, I'm on chapter 19. Flex. I haven't got a copy yet. No, not flexing, but... I mean, my buddy might make an appearance in that book. Oh, no. On that note, um, we shall see you guys. Well, Johnny will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nicely done. That was very well written. Well, this is what happens when I prepare. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I wasn't ready I'm for here that. for it.